Would you open a Bible with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, where we will be reading together here in just a few moments. While you're turning there and get settled, let me echo the welcome from this morning. It is so good to see so many of you. We have a number of guests with us this morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. We want to continue our worship by opening up God's Word and allowing Him to speak to us, allowing Him to frame who we are from the beginning of this new week that He is providing, providing fuel, refreshment, perspective for us as we begin this new week. We are completely and totally dependent upon Him. It's not always easy to remember that, easy to forget that at times, easy to live as if we've got this and we know exactly what's going to happen and how and when it's going to happen. It is good for us on the first day of the week to pause and reflect on Without Him, where would we be? Without Him, who would we be? But through Him and with Him, what a blessing it is to live the life He's called us to live with joy and peace and hope that He provides. Over the course of the last few Sunday mornings, we've really anchored ourselves in a, a foundational idea that if you understand, if you can see the trees in the Bible, uh, from a tree in a garden to a tree on a hill of death to a tree in a heavenly city, if you see the trees and understand the trees, you are well on your way to understanding what this big book that we call the Bible is all about. It's a story that can be summarized in a variety of different ways, but we've been focused really on two key words. Trust and obey. We've been reflecting on the idea that trust, that that's our root system. That's where we get refreshment and stability for our hearts. Obedience, that's our fruit. The fruit that is fueled and made possible by our roots in our Creator. This is the fullness of life that He describes for those who are willing to live life the way he intended it to be. If your Bible is open there to, to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, this becomes really, really personal in Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. If your Bible is open there, you can read with me, beginning in verse 7 or verse 15, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, where Jesus, as he is beginning to draw this sermon to a close, gives a warning. Beware, verse 15, of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. I want you to think about that for a moment. 
Here is the Son of God telling His disciples, really for all time, this is something you need to be watching for. This is something really important. Something that can cost you if you're not careful. And when He moves from that beware to the actual content of the warning, I'm not sure about you, but for me as I read that at first, well, it sounds important, but how am I going to do that? Because it sure does sound like what He is warning us about are people who are one way on the outside. They, they look a certain way. They act a certain way. They talk a certain way. They, they, they project a, a certain picture out into the world. And, and perhaps it's a very appealing, a, a very satisfying gratifying message that they are sharing that that would be easy and pleasant for me to believe in but he is describing people who are different in a very dangerous way on the inside but i can't see their inside you, you can't see my mine, my heart, and, and vice versa. And so I hear the Son of God giving this warning, but how can I possibly know what someone is really like on the inside? And in order to help us, Jesus talks about trees. He continues in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. You can't see their heart. You, you can't see with your physical eyes what's going on in, inside of their hearts, their affections, their, their motivations, their goals, their, their aspirations, but you will be able to recognize them by their fruits. Listen, are, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Let's put a marker there, if you will, in Matthew chapter 7. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, where we began this series a few weeks ago. And let's just listen, reflect on these words that Jesus has attached to His warning. A warning that is timeless and relevant for us even today. Really, we could just break it down into a couple of very basic points worth thinking about. Number one, every healthy tree bears good fruit. The Son of God Himself has told us. Well, what does He mean by that? How does a person, we, we understand, don't we, from Matthew chapter 7, He's not really talking about trees. He's talking about people. He's talking about you and me and the people we interact with. 
How would an ordinary person like you, me, be looked at by the Son of God and diagnosed as that's a healthy person? That tree right there, that, that person, that's a, a healthy tree. Is your Bible open there to Ephesians chapter 3? Let me remind you where we launched from this entire study. In Ephesians 3 verse 14, this was the Apostle Paul's prayer for saints in Ephesus. Ordinary people. He says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you. Do you see that? How very important... For us to wrap our minds around the fact this morning that if I'm going to be like a tree, it's not going to be a matter of God Almighty looking at me this morning and say, would you look at that? How strong, how grounded, how healthy that person is. If you're healthy the way He's calling us to be, if I'm healthy the way He's calling me to be, we need His help. We need His strength. We need His power through His Spirit. But do you see right here in black and white from your Bible that that can be true of your inner being? That you don't have to put on some sort of a mask and act like someone you're not. That's what Jesus is warning us about in Matthew chapter 7 and does in a variety of different places. This isn't a persona that you put on on Sunday morning. In fact, if it is, there's a problem on the inside that needs attention. We'll talk a little bit more about that before we're done. This can be you. This can be me through His power, His strength. And here's the key in Ephesians 3 verse 17. It's not me and it's not you. It's Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. Every healthy tree bears good fruit. What are we talking about? We're talking about the inside. We're talking about what Scripture refers to as the inner man or inner woman, the, the heart, your heart, your inner being. Do you see here in Ephesians 3 verse 17, Christ can dwell in that inner being through your faith so that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength. Strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's exactly what we're talking about. Go with me to the book 
just before this. Galatians in your Bible. Galatians chapter 5. This is where our series has been building that a variety of really important things have happened in the past. And the reason that we're here this morning, as we studied last Sunday morning, is because the Son of God was willing to go to that tree of death so that we could be brought to life. Here is that life. Galatians chapter 5, the apostle Paul continues to describe for a different audience. Verse 16, he says, Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you remember when we spent time among those trees of Eden and we worked our way all the way to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we noticed desires. And we learned right there on page 3 of our Bible that the turf of desires has been the battleground ever since. It is my battleground. It's your battleground. We're talking about our inner beings. And the battleground in those inner beings is the battleground of desire. What do I really want? Who do I really want? What or who am I really living for? You want to talk about desires? He says in verse 17, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Sounds a lot like that battleground in Genesis chapter 3, doesn't it? You see, that's not just ancient history. Here is the battleground. My flesh, God's Spirit. Who's going to win? On the battleground of desire, because these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you find that strength, that we heard about in Ephesians chapter 3. You have Christ dwelling in your heart through faith. You're rooted and grounded in love and you have that strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You, you want to know what sort of fruit a healthy tree bears? It's right there in Galatians chapter 5. Every healthy tree, that tree that is authentically God's from the inside out, what sort of fruit does that healthy tree bear? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Against these sort of things, there is no law. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. There's our battleground. Who do I belong to? Who do you belong to? Those who belong to Christ 
crucify those passions and desires. And a different kind of fruit is born. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's what every healthy tree does as it bears good fruit. But Jesus also warned us in Matthew chapter 7 about diseased trees. And he said very straightforwardly and simply, a diseased tree is going to bear bad fruit. Your Bible's still open there to Galatians 5? Look at verse 19. What sort of bad fruit are we talking about? What are symptoms of a diseased inner man or woman? Galatians 5, 19. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. You want to know why that sort of bad fruit is born? It's because I'm saying in my own heart, by my own life, I belong to me. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. My desires revolve around me. My identity revolves around me. No one's going to define that for me. No one's going to tell me how to live. In my inner being, there is a throne, and I am king on that throne. And for a little while, I have every right to do so. Freedom to do so. Perhaps I even generate a life that is the envy of millions of people. But as the Son of God looks past my flesh to my inner being, he says, that's a diseased tree. And you need to understand Man or woman created in my image. That those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 7 where Jesus emphasizes the exact same thing in His own words. It's exactly the fundamental point that He made first in His Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 7. This time Mark chapter 7 verse 20. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within... Out of the heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. These are, listen to what he says in verse 23. These are evil things. They come from within. And I can't flirt with them. You can't control them. They cannot be tamed. They are what defile a person. 
Every healthy tree bears good fruit. Every diseased tree bears bad fruit. And what was Jesus' point in Matthew chapter 7? We can recognize what's going on inwardly by a person's fruits. Go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, this time chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 in your Bible. Words of John the Baptist who paved the way for the coming King Jesus. I, I got to tell you, if there's, if there's one point that sure does seem to fly in the face of culture today, perhaps it is this one from our time in God's Word this morning. Where we live, we consistently hear that, listen, I have every right to be my authentic self. I get to determine what that authentic self is, who that authentic person is. I'm going to do what I want to do. You have no right to tell me how to live, and you most certainly have no right to talk about what's going on on my insides. You're right, I don't. But the Son of God does. And in Matthew chapter 3, we've got a preview of Jesus' entire mission. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 7, there are people coming from Jerusalem, authorities, Pharisees, Sadducees, coming out to where John the Baptist is. And John looks at them and says, you brood of vipers. Why does he call them that? Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Why, Why ask that sort of a question? You know what he says next in verse 8? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. I I decide to step outside of the bounds. I decide that my desires for me matter more than God's desires for me. I'm going to live in whatever way I want to live. And somehow, some way... I've become convicted. That's that's wrong. This is out of bounds. I've crossed the will of my Creator. He is holy and, and my choices have separated me from Him. What's He called me to do? Step one. Repent. I can't buy that on Amazon. I can't download that from Apple. You know where that comes from? That comes from within. I have to have the desire to repent. You can't repent for me and I can't repent for you. But do you know what happens when I decide to come to myself and leave that far country of rebellion against God and turn my face back home and make the long journey home. Do you know what happens? Fruit begins to be born. Fruit that can be recognized by the people around me. 
There were those who said, well, we don't need to do that. We, we, we have Abraham as our father. We are descendants of God's greatest promises. And John says, no, 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 no. You need to understand, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. We talked about that last Sunday morning, that Israel, despite their great genealogy, despite being receivers of those promises and commandments, they got to the point that they were like a dead, hollowed out, cut down tree. And John looks at people in the first century and says, that's not just the stuff of history. You need to understand, that's what God is about to do to you. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So, before we're done, let's go back to our Old Testaments to Psalm 1. We've heard from the Son of God, every healthy tree bears good fruit. Every diseased tree bears bad fruit and we will be able to recognize what is going on on the inside based on the fruit that we're bearing. So how can I, how can you be like a healthy tree? Psalm 1 begins by telling us what a healthy man or woman doesn't do. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. There are wicked people every direction we look. There is not a song we can sing together this morning that will make every wicked person around us disappear. But I don't have to think like they think. You don't have to prioritize like they prioritize. We don't have to act like they act. At the root level, we know who reigns. And so we're going to be careful who we listen to this week. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of Sinners, there is not a prayer that we can offer today that will make every sinner in my sphere of influence disappear. I may work with them. I may live around them. I may cross paths with them on the interstate or in the grocery store. They might be members of my own family. But I don't have to walk on the path they're walking. That doesn't make me inherently better than them or you smarter than them. It's a choice. You're choosing to walk a different path. Because someone else 
reigns in your inner being and you want to bear better fruit. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Plenty of people who will be scoffing all week long. Putting down those who choose to believe in God. Putting down, laughing at, ridiculing those who choose to walk uphill when the good life sure does seem to be downhill. Mocking the very idea of accountability to the Creator who has given us our lives and time and opportunities. There's not a message that can be given that makes today all of the scoffing stop. But you don't have to sit in that seat this week. You don't have to watch those YouTube videos. You don't have to buy into that mindset. In fact, you will be blessed if you don't. You will be blessed if at the level of desire in your inner being, you choose a different path. Your delight, my delight, the, the delight of this blessed man or woman is in the law of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. At the root level, day and night, he knows, she knows where to find real refreshment and stability. How? Why? Well, they're planted by streams of water. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, we went back to Psalm 36 and, and we heard all about this stream, what it is. This is the stream of God's steadfast love. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of His wings. They feast on the abundance of His house. He gives them drink from the river of His delights. With Him is the fountain of life. In his life, his children see light. They become like trees planted by streams of water that yield their fruits in its season. Leaves don't wither in all that he does. In all that she does, she prospers. Why? Because she's planted in a different place than the wicked and the sinful and the scoffers. He or she is planted in the house of the Lord and He makes them to flourish in His courts. Even to old age, they are ever full of sap and green, still bearing fruit. And you know, just as surely as I know, that maybe it seems so very slow. But that's the way the Creator designed it. How the growth of a tree takes place so slowly. You can't watch it grow. It's not readily seen. There are little 
changes that happen over the course of months, years, even decades, but in the course of time. More and more light is dawning on the face of the righteous, growing brighter and brighter. Great change to the glory of God. I want you to listen carefully to me before we're done. Sadly, the wicked are not so. But are like chaff that the wind drives away. Maybe like a beautiful bouquet of roses. Roses that everybody notices, everybody would like to have, everybody looks up to. But you know what Psalm 1 is telling us? You, you want to know what the path of wickedness and rebellion and ignoring God is really like? It's like this beautiful bouquet. But you give it just a little bit of time. And you discover what's going on on the inside. Why? Because as soon as those flowers are cut from the root, they're dying. They're cut off from the source of life. And for a little while, maybe it looks like, well, that's what fullness and, and fruit and, and the good life is. Look at everything they're able to offer. And from cover to cover of His Word, God warns, listen, that's not going to last. It is only the appearance of life. Maybe you, like me, need to think about that even from the standpoint of, of being a disciple. The blessed person delights. What a vivid word. De delight is a, a high degree of enjoyment. It's, it's rapture. It, it's something that gives great pleasure. And, and we naturally meditate, don't we, on what we delight in. If I take a great level of enjoyment from watching baseball. I'm anxiously going to look forward to game time. If I find great pleasure in a friend, I'll, I'll instinctively yearn just to be in their presence. If, if what I'm feeling on the first tee of a golf course could accurately be described as, as rapture, well, the very next time for me to tee off, that's just going to naturally fill my daydreams, isn't it? We meditate on the people and the possessions and, and the possibilities that our hearts find delightful. So let me paint a picture for you. On Sunday, we focus on that good news tree. God lives, His wisdom endures, His promises stand, His will sustains us, His, His faithfulness stretches from everlasting to everlasting, His blessings flow like a river through human history. We're reminded of all of those things on Sunday as, as our hearts are stirred with conviction and hope to walk with God throughout the rest of the week. And then 
Monday hits with full force. Alarm clocks and commutes and deadlines and stress and pressure and meetings and obligations, temptations, distractions, misplaced priorities, unplanned hiccups, overscheduled commitments, exhaustion. As Monday afternoon turns to Monday evening, I think to myself, I need something delightful to cope with the craziness. And so for the rest of the night, I watch Netflix. I seek heart refreshment in, you fill in the blank. By Tuesday, that life of focused, productive, joy-filled commitment that I envisioned on Sunday, it seems kind of like a distant memory. By Wednesday, my spiritual vitality is withered and my soul's focus is completely blurred. Why? Because you and I were created by God with a need for refreshment. Your heart was created for deep connection to your Creator. And since last Sunday, what have you delighted in? Wicked things, filthy things, foolish things, maybe even lots of really good things. But so many good things that the best things are crowded out and choked. Because I've been walking for days through a harsh desert without a drop of living water. Maybe that's exactly how your heart feels today. Shriveled, heavy, Struggling to hope far from peace, bitter, full of weeds, weary, parched. Why? Could it be that I have a critical delight deficiency? But for 3,000 years, God has told me the answer. Blessed is the person who delights in God. Blessed is the woman who meditates on His goodwill for her life. That, that man will be like a tree. It's as if that woman has been planted deeply rooted by streams of living water. He yields fruit. Her leaves do not wither. The deepest needs of his heart are abundantly supplied by an infinite source of love and joy. There are plenty of things in the world she can't control, but her soul is settled and satisfied. And it started at the level of desire. We're going to stand and sing, Oh, to be like thee. What a great prayer. What a great desire for the heart. Could I be honest with you? You can sing that song beautifully today. But if your heart doesn't belong to Him, you won't be like Him this week. 
If your greatest desire is to be like Him, what needs to die in order for that ground to be cleared? What needs to be planted in order for that fruit to grow? Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Maybe today is the day you decide no more. Jesus is my King. I'm ready to wash my sins away by being buried with Him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Maybe you did that a good long time ago. But you've moved a long ways away from that stream of living water. Oh, to be like thee can be true of you today. If we can be of any help, any encouragement whatsoever, would you let us know how we can help by coming to the front while we stand and sing together?